I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Visit Wales are proud to sponsor the RHS Gardening Podcast. To find out more about Wales' beautiful and historic gardens, go to visitwales.com slash gardens. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast, sponsored by Visit Wales. Every fortnight, we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening, plant care, garden design, pest control, container ideas, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the RHS advisory team based here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition, beautiful beans and perfect peas, mouth-watering varieties and growing tips to maximise your crop. Our RHS experts tackle your seasonal gardening problems and, as always, we have the latest news on RHS events across the UK. Now, once a month on the RHS podcast, members of the advisory team answer your gardening questions from around the UK. Tackling the queries with me this month are my colleagues Rob Sterling and Head of the RHS Advice Service Guy Barter. I'm Guy Barter. I work with the advice team at Wisley. And my name's Rob Sterling, and I'm also one of the advisors here at Wisley. Jean from London asks, how can I get rid of what I think is wild garlic? It looks like spring onions, has small bulbs like unformed garlic, and the roots are deep and extremely difficult to get rid of. I've been working on it for the past six years. This is um, typical of wild garlic or indeed many cultivated alliums. They're extremely persistent weeds and they do root. And of course, in digging them up, the roots or rather the bulbs fall apart. So you take out all you can, but there's always more that comes up the following year. But even so, six years sounds a bit excessive. Um, One way of uh, dealing with this is to trample the foliage or whack it with the back of a spade and then apply a glyphosate based weed killer. And uh, this can actually reduce them enough so that after that, hand digging and uh, removal with a trowel or a spade can get them out quite well. If that doesn't suit, another option is to grass down the area for a few years and let the mower kill them off, um, or to cover them with a thick ground cover membrane, a bit of mulch to look pretty and stand containers on it. Um, But they're pretty tough. You'd have to cover them for two or three years. And also the timing's quite important of when you spray them. If you're going to go for the... 
uh, if you're going to persist with the spraying uh, method, um, just before flowering is probably the optimum time to have a go at it. And they are fairly resistant to herbicides. But as Guy says, crushing the foliage first can really help. And because of the reservoir of seeds in the ground, um, even after you've sprayed them off, um, you know, it is going to reappear probably for a couple of years or so. So always be prepared if you're not going to mulch with black plastic to, to, to repeat the spraying. That'll just take another six years then. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two varieties of, uh, of wild garlic. Well, several varieties of wild garlic. There's ransoms, which is the main one that people eat, which is a very broad-leafed um, um, species. Uh, that is Allium ursinum, and it's very edible. It's absolutely delicious, uh, especially when the leaves are young. They can go in omelettes. They can makes wonderful pesto. Yeah, and they get added to most things in season um, when I when I find it in the woods. Um, the other ones are probably edible, but they're less less known for, for their edibility. It's the broadleafed ransoms that is a real star in the kitchen. I'd just be quite wary of eating alliums that you're not quite sure of, because some of them can be quite acrid. So. Um, be cautious here make sure you identify them before you you actually consume them we have a question here from uh jenny zanel uh, from long bennington in lincolnshire and she asks how do i stop cats doing their business all over my lawn and in my flower beds now um a couple of my colleagues in the room here do have cats and perhaps they've got some ideas rob well there are many different ways that um you can or, uh, sort of options that you can attempt um not all are, are sort of wholly successful though i have to say um things that are recommended are um for example planting prickly shrubs around your boundary which you know might deter them from coming in um there's also a product on the market called silent raw which is um dung um from lions um collected from london zoo um, and the idea behind that is that um, the the dung of a very large predator is likely to put off uh, smaller creatures who think they're going to be eaten. But cats being cats will probably get used to that after a while. Um, other things that you consider are um, an automatic sprinkler, which is set off um, via infrared. Um, so that uh, when the beam is broken, the sprinkler comes on. Cats absolutely hate water, and so if it goes in their general direction, um, they're unlikely to want to repeat the process. And also things that are on the market are ultrasonic devices, which send off a very high-pitched um, stream of sound, which we can't hear, but which is painful or at least unpleasant to cats and, and should deter them. But other things you can think about, which perhaps are a bit more practical, would be um, to try to cover as much of the soil in the garden as you can um, with ground cover plants or, or, or other plants, because cats love to use uh, dry bare soil as a litter tray. So if you, you know, if you have dry covered soil, then you know, that, that will be an attractive place to them. And another thing uh, to consider too is if you have gravel in the garden, and say instead of a lawn, um, they very often use that because they think it's a litter tray. So um, opt instead for larger pebbles rather than fine grade gravel. One way of keeping cats off uh, beds and borders is to cut sprigs of spiky uh, shrubs. I use holly, six inch bits of holly cut off and stuck in the ground uh, to keep cats off until the plants grow and form a big resistant uh, layer. 
and uh, the cats don't like it much and look pretty grumpy but it works pretty well i find and then by late summer the plants are grown up and they look good um they tend to turn to lawns when there's nothing else uh, so watering the lawns and feeding them to get a good thick lush grass that they find less attractive than a, a drier lawn the other thing is to try and give them areas that they can uh, concentrate on so what i do is to have uh, areas that i scratch over and keep soft under trees layers of compost mulch that are laid out and these are more suitable for catty business than uh, harder bits of earth um, and the, other, the final alternative is to have your own cats and it's surprising how much more tolerant you are of your own cats than the neighbours. And my solution would be get a dog. The next one is from Andrea Jones in Cardiff and she asks, what can I grow that would make nice treats for my daughter's pet chickens when we let them roam at the lawn and the flower bed? I've got friends who've got chickens. I don't have any myself, but uh, they always request that they can have my bolted lettuces. And at the end of the season, um, bolted lettuces always are on the menu and they love them. I grew up with chickens, um, thousands of them. And one of the things that they really love are old cabbage plants. And at this season, the uh, sprouting broccoli and the calabrese later on or finish and uh, go over and you hang those upside down it's amazing how they peck at them and the plant pigments actually help the eggs look really nice and dark and deep as well and uh, these leaves are pretty nutritious got a lot of protein in them so uh, chickens do love that however um, i've got to say that uh, you still need to feed them plenty of chicken pellets or mash because uh, these are treats not their main diet and um, I had I worked with a lady who used to keep chickens and um, um, she used to give her chickens grapes as a treat and they apparently used to fight each other to see who could get to them first. As a question from Sarah Herbert via Facebook. Uh, how do you prune a rampant fig tree? Well, basically, um, you have to decide whether you want leaves or whether you want fruit. If you want leaves, life is really simple because you can cut them back very hard in winter when the foliage isn't on the tree and they'll regrow vigorously with great big, lovely, strong leaves. Uh, there's famous ones outside the National Gallery that are treated like that and very spectacular they look too. If you want fruit, however... Um, you have to be a little bit more uh, circumspect because you cut them back hard you get a lot of regrowth but you don't get a lot of uh, fig fruits forming you should remember of course that figs don't actually flower um, they produce fruits and the flower is on the inside of the fruit so uh, you won't see flowers but you'll see figs forming and the figs form on growth the previous year so if you cut it back hard each winter to keep it within bounds you won't get any little figlets forming so you have to restrict its growth by uh, constricting the roots, usually in a big pot or a container buried in the ground, and then uh, cut them back each summer to a uh, proportion of the plant each summer to induce young growth that'll crop the following year. But if you arrive at a house, say, say you've just moved house and there's a, there's a tree that hasn't been pruned for many, many years, you're probably less interested in making fruit you just want to get the thing under some sort of control then probably it would be best to remove um, probably up to 25 percent certainly no more than that each year over maybe th three years you, you want to do it gradually so that it doesn't become even more rampant but it would gradually call it into shape you know get it under control obviously removing dead dying and disease material first and then just gradually thinning it 
um, and then probably thinking about fruit at a later stage. No, I think you could be braver here. I think fig trees are remarkably resilient. So if you wanted to cut them back hard in the first year, I think you could. Whenever you cut a tree back hard in winter, they tend to regrow. But the ultimate result is always smaller than the tree would have been had you not pruned it. So I think that there's no reason to spread out something like a fig tree. I think it's robust. And um, if it does succumb, then often it's uh, a good opportunity to plant something that's a bit more... um, a bit more easy to control there's a splendid fig tree in st james's park that's never uh, pruned and it's the size of a small house um, so you, you i think one does have to be a bit brutal with fig trees um yes i mean obviously with a readily planted tree it would be it would be too late but if you are actually going to plant a tree in um in the garden um normally um, they can be contained by digging a, a, a a pit or a hole about one meter cubed about 39 inches by 39 inches by 39 inches um, and lining it with flagstones but don't actually um, cement the flagstones obviously just um, put the flagstones um, in so that they cover the floor of the of the hole and the sides um, and that will actually contain the, the the growth of the tree by depriving it of nutrients, basically, but not su- sufficiently so that it it stops it from from growing. And with root constriction, it, it can't make quite so much um, so much top growth. The the roots will eventually fi- find their way through, but it takes a lot longer than if it was planted in open soil. Well, yeah, some people use a washing machine drum uh, to grow figs in and uh, the joy of this is it's got a lot of perforations around the edge so the roots grow through the perforations and they swell and eventually they swell so much they strangle themselves in the perforations so the plant can root out to some extent but not very much and uh, that'll constrain its growth um, in a particularly a particularly easy way and in fact there's special root control bags available too if you don't happen to not want to spoil your washing machine you can buy these root control bags that have got a, a fine mesh of nylon and the roots will grow out through the root control bags strangle themselves um, and that'll constrain the tree as well We've got an email here from Sue Wheat and she says, how can I best keep on top of an allotment uh, with very limited time? Which is a question I think we'd all like the answer to. Um, Rob's got some ideas because he's just set an allotment up in the past couple of years from scratch. Well, there are, there are several things to consider. Probably the first one would be would be control of weeds. Um, you know, very often um, an, an, an allotment here finds that, you know, they get defeated really by the by the fact that the weeds are growing so fast that they never seem to be able to get on top of them um, and you know in doing so they're spending all their time weeding and, and no time growing so um, there are various ways really that you can um, you can consider dealing with those um, one one way is to actually ap- apply a black ground fabric such as mypex or something like that over beds which you aren't ready to use if you have no perennial weeds um, growing in there, such as dock or bindweed or dandelions or things like that, then um, <clears throat> the annual weeds will, will die off underneath that fabric um, and no more weeds will grow whilst the fabric is down. And they will rot down and, and actually you know, become a sort of a, a, a mulch or a, um, a green manure, really, to actually enrich the soil for when you are able to grow. The other thing that um, you can do is um, 
you know, concentrate on digging out the the um, perennial weeds such as bindweed or dock or, or dandelion, or if you use weed killers and you don't have <clears throat> very much um, evidence of them in the garden, then you can spot weed, weed kill them with uh, glyphosate. The other thing that um, you can do really to help stop weed growth, a lot of seeds um, grow um, through being exposed to the light. So placing a two-inch layer of mulch down on the soil surface um, once the soil has been um, cleared um, helps to prevent re- regrowth, assuming that there are no seeds in that, in that, um, in that mulch. But other things to consider too um, are watering. Um, placing a mulch down over plants that you have planted, uh, particularly when in the spring when the soil is, is moist, will help to, to uh, decrease the number of times that you need to water, which is also time-saving. I think uh, I think laying laying down a layer of a semi permeable membrane is a superb idea on land that you're not using. Um, you could, for example, after you've dug up, obviously it depends how many overwintering crops you've got. But on those beds where you've finished with the crops in October, November, if you put a layer of mulch over at that point and then cover it in a semi permeable membrane, then all the rain's going to come through. The weeds will be inhibited. You may not be using that land until um, until April. And things warm up a bit before then. You will have warmer soil too, but by it, that's the benefit. You've got warmer soil to plant transplants into. You'll have kept the weeds down, and it will still have that uh, that layer of compost underneath. So you're absolutely ready to go, and you haven't had to do any weeding in that patch from well. If we have mild spells from February to planting time, a lot of weeds can grow in that time. So very very labour saving. Uh, a transplant is is um is a small plant that you've grown from seed elsewhere so possibly in modules or individual pots and you might be growing them in a cold frame uh, or in a cold greenhouse and you've just got a plant that's a bit more robust and a little bit more ahead and you plant it straight out into your allotment or vegetable patch the other thing to consider is not to grow um entirely annual crops but think of some perennial ones beds for example of asparagus and strawberries and bushes of uh, soft fruit or rows of canes like raspberries or cultivated blackberries you don't have to dig you don't have to sow seeds there's no transplanting they benefit from watering but it can be every couple of weeks and a really good soak um, in the the height of summer and uh, these produce a very large amount from a very small area so you can use up quite a lot of your allotment um, or garden with these for a very productive um, area at a relatively low amount of work of course um, if you'd have a lucky enough to have a garden or allotment that's too big for you um, you may very well find that there's people in the area who are willing to share it with you or work it on or work it and keep it up together for you and uh, in many regions there's allotment share schemes and there's also uh, internet sites uh, who put people in touch with each other who've got land to share and people who want land to work Um, needless to say it's important to have a very clear understanding at the outset of um, who does what and who has what um, because we do encounter from time to time stories where people fall out through um, not quite um, agreeing at the outset who does what or has what Remember, RHS members can contact our advice team by phone, email or letter for free help with any gardening queries. If you'd like details on how you can become a member of the RHS, just go to rhs.org.uk forward slash join. We also run drop-in advice surgeries at RHS plant and flower shows 
where any show visitor can come and ask their gardening questions. You can also show the team samples or photos of problematic plants, pests or plant diseases you need help with. So, if you're visiting the RHS Malvern Spring Festival from the 8th to the 11th of May or any of our summer flower shows around the UK, why not come and talk to us about your gardening problems? I'm Jenny Bowden and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Now, peas and beans are some of the most popular choices for people wanting to grow their own vegetables. There's nothing quite as delicious as a pea fresh from the pod or the sound of the satisfying snap of a French bean. Easy to grow and promising great yields for little effort, they're also a good choice for beginners. So, how do you get the best results from your crop? Here's Oliver Wilkins, the fruit, veg and herb team leader at RHS Garden Wisley with some ideas. Hello, my name is Ollie Wilkins. I'm the fruit, veg and herb team leader at RHS Garden Wisley. Peas are a, a really, really valuable crop for the home garden and I think one of the reasons why we should all be growing peas in our gardens and allotments is because the difference between a fresh garden pea and a shop-bought supermarket pea is, is immense. As soon as the pea is harvested, it starts to lose its sweetness. So it's really a crop where you can notice the difference and they're very easy to grow and they're very versatile to grow, um, very versatile crops. There's petit pois, there's mange too, there's sugar snap peas. So there's a huge diversity of, of varieties as well. One that I was recommended earlier is Waverex, which is a petit pois. And the vegetable gardener here at Wisley says that that is the best that you can find for a fresh garden pea in a salad. So I'd recommend growing that. And they're reasonably easy to grow. I mean, they do suffer from mice mice like to eat the emerging seedlings so you have to be careful now's the time to get them planted so what we'd recommend the easiest way to get them sown in the ground is to make a small trench you can use a hoe swan neck hoe an onion hoe something like that for that task and to to sow a staggered row in that in that small trench and just lightly cover and water and um, unless you're using dwarf varieties of peas, you're going to need to provide some sort of support. And we find the best and most natural way of doing that is to use twigs of birch, actually, support the peas fantastically. Uh, and that should be fine and come back in 8 to 12 weeks and you should be harvesting. And of course, you can harvest the shoots for salads as well. As long as you don't take too many, it shouldn't damage the pea harvest. So beans are very, very broad um, crop. So there's runner beans, there's dwarf French beans, there's broad beans. Um, and I was thinking about beans earlier on and I was thinking, what are my favourites? And I, I have to say I like runner beans the best. But then I was thinking, why do I like runner beans? And I think one of the reasons has to be is because they're easier to harvest. I mean, you're standing up for a start, you're not leaning down, bending over. In my garden, I, I grow runner beans. And the way to grow runner beans is, the simplest way is in a wigwam. So that's placing bamboo canes uh, in a line in a, in, a, in a double row and then securing them with a horizontal bamboo cane at the top and then in the textbooks you'll find it recommended to sow a seedling either side of that bamboo cane one inside the wigwam and one outside the wigwam but what we find is that it's easier to to hoe the weeds off if you actually sow two inside each bamboo cane so all the seedlings are inside the bamboo canes and that means that you're less likely to damage the uh, the plants as you're as you're weeding around them and just give them some small support in terms of maybe tying them in loosely to start off with 
to get them attached to the bamboo cane and then they'll grow on themselves and they'll, they'll um, look after themselves really for the rest of the season. Water well, keep an eye on the watering and harvest and you should have a good crop. So yeah, I'd recommend runner beans. Oliver Wilkins from RHS Garden Wisley. And you can find more information on growing your own fruit and vegetables on the Grow Your Own pages of the RHS website, rhs.org.uk forward slash grow your own. Or why not download the newly updated version of the RHS Grow Your Own iPhone app? Full details at rhs.org.uk forward slash iPhone. So now May is upon us. What other jobs can you be doing in your garden now? My name is Matthew and I'm one of the garden managers here at RHS Garden Wisley. So some of the things we're looking at doing in May time now, well, we almost feel like spring is with us, our summer's almost with us and winter has gone, but we still have that opportunity of cold nights and a light frost. But what we are starting to do now is harden off the plants that are going to come out for the summertime with us. So there's some big specimen plants in pots. There are also things like our penstemons, our salvias and some of our bedding plants. And what I really want to try and do is get most of these out at the end of the month so they have a long season of growing. But just to kind of start changing that environment they're in from a warm glass house to a cooler garden they're coming out during the day they're simply coming out on trolleys it's dead easy and then they're wheeled in at night time just to protect them from any cold and that's just going to help those stems start to thicken up the growth becomes slightly more compact and they're then basically ready to be planted out at the end of the month and there's no shock if we have a cold night they've kind of acclimatized if you like another thing to be looking out for at this time of the year is Obviously cherry trees, favourite in most gardens, favourite in small gardens and a really great garden plant. But cherries, they're a bit of a funny one when you can prune them. They don't really enjoy being pruned as a rule, but if sometimes you have a wayward branch or a branch is too low or a branch is in the way of the door or the window, now is a good time, kind of after flowering is the traditional time to prune them. So some have already finished, we've still got some of the later ones just finishing now. But now is the time to take a saw to them if you've got any odd small branches that are misplaced, crossing, or they're just generally in like, you know, your line of sight or something. Take those back to a main stem. Don't flush cut it. Leave a small branch collar, that small wrinkling you see at the base of the branch. That's what's going to heal over it. And do any cuts now while the plant is smaller, while the branch is small. Try and get those early on. The plant will heal over them. But you don't prune cherries when they're coming into uh, to flower. And you don't prune them in midsummer either. They can fall victim to cankers and a thing called a silver leaf, which is another disorder of cherries. And, and they can be quite prone to bleeding as well. So as soon as it's finished flowering, get in there and do any odd bits of cleanup just to help shape it for the future. Hello, my name's Lucy Tate and I'm team leader here at RHS Garden Wisley for the Herbaceous team. Um, first week of May now and you can get sowing some of your um, annuals into the ground as well. The soil's properly warmed up and although they mention planting in March and probably this year was quite suitable, if you still haven't sown your annuals direct into the ground you can do this now um, and, and do mixed um, planting so that you get a, a d- dramatic display. Um, You also want to be keeping on uh, checking on those plants you planted earlier um, in the spring and making sure that they're establishing well and are well watered.
at this time of year you want to start thinking about planting out your half hardies um, may has still got the potential for frost so if you've got pockets that you can plant out and cover with fleece if there's a potential frost forecast do so it'll give the plants chance to establish in the ground and get away faster so that's what to do now You can find more gardening tips and guides to seasonal jobs in the garden on the RHS website rhs.org.uk forward slash gardening. On the website, you can also find details of shows, events and activities happening in our four RHS gardens. Coming up soon, visit RHS Harlow Car from the 2nd of May to the 1st of June to browse the Just Makers Spring Craft Fair. From 10 to 4 each day, you can see a wide range of affordable and original work by jewellery makers, textile artists, photographers, soap makers and many more. If you want to add containers into your garden to provide impact and style, come along to the RHS Garden Hyde Hall on the 23rd of May for a workshop in creating colourful containers. From 11 to 1.30, expert staff can give you inspiring ideas for a planted container you can take home. Budding photographers can come to the RHS Garden Wisley on the 24th of May from 8am to take shots of plants and landscape. Bring the family along so everyone can take advantage of taking photographs using the beautiful morning light. And come along to the RHS Garden Rosemore on the 28th of May from 10 till 4 and be a part of the Native Plants and Animals Day. There will be a wide range of native animal and plant conservation groups featured in the marquee. These represent a cross-section of charities dedicated to the advancement and preservation of some of the UK's best-loved native plants and animal species. In addition to events at the RHS Gardens, make sure you get to the RHS Outdoor Shows this month for beautiful plant exhibits, great show gardens and much, much more with the RHS Malvern Spring Festival from the 8th to the 11th of May and the RHS Chelsea Flower Show from the 20th to the 24th of May. Visit rhs.org.uk forward slash shows to book tickets. What's more, you can now find out all you want to know about RHS Chelsea Flower Show direct from your phone. The RHS Chelsea Flower Show iPhone app is available to download free on iTunes and features full details of gardens, plants and trade stands, access to news, Twitter and Facebook updates, booking tickets to RHS shows and lots more. Have you registered on the newly updated RHS website? We have exclusive content for RHS members, from special videos and podcasts to in-depth articles, as well as plenty of free information, updated advice profiles, design tips and plant information like RHS Plant Selector. We're out of time on this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast, sponsored by Visit Wales. We'll be back in a fortnight for a special podcast from the Chelsea Flower Show. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden and all the podcast team, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. 
It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.